Welcome to The Bee Podcast. The mission of The Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age group to have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey, to listen to stories similar and different than our own, engage in each other's triumphs and failures, hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled, the loss we have endured, the joy we have encountered, and the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power. And that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is The Bee Podcast. Hi, I'm Cami Milliken. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Bee Podcast. September is Neonatal Intensive Care Awareness Month. 6% of premature babies are born before 28 weeks gestation. Babies born at 24 weeks have a 39% chance of survival. Babies born earlier than that have an even less likely chance of surviving. Odds are stacked highly against these babies, and not every story in the NICU ends happily. The road is winding, bumpy, and full of no promises. These days spent in the NICU are so fragile for babies and parents. And today, Jessie Schultz joins us to share her experience with her incredibly difficult pregnancy, delivery, and stay in the NICU with her sweet daughter, Harper. Listen in to her amazing story of beating all the odds here. Hi, everyone. I am so thrilled to have Jessie Schultz here. Jessie, hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, Jessie, just start by telling us a little bit about who you are. I am originally from Atemwa. A lot of people know me as Jessie Black, but I live south of Osceola now. Um, I met my husband in um, Fort Dodge, where I went to college and became a dental hygienist. So yeah, I uh, that's where I live now. Obviously, we have our little daughter, Harper, and a couple dogs, and kind of where I'm at now from uh, living in Atemwa and moving from there. Yes, and I think everybody in Atemwa knows the Black family because yeah. <laughs> you guys are so loved by everyone. So... Tell us a little bit about meeting your husband and how that all kind of transpired. So we met, like I said, in college. I did my first two years at Indian Hills, played volleyball there, got to know a lot of people there. And then um, I decided that the profession I was going for wasn't really for me. So I moved to Fort Dodge. Uh, He was actually on the rodeo team. So he was a cowboy. How cool is that? (laughs) Yeah. So I got to learn the ropes of cowboy them, I guess. Um, but he, <laughs> so, uh, but he was like just graduating. So when, when I graduated hygiene school, I'm like, I, you know, we didn't really know where to go. We weren't together super long. And I just kind of took a leap of faith and I left, uh, we lived in Atemwa for a little bit and he, Atemwa was not for him. So we, we moved sure. away. We went just to Osceola where his family's from. And so that's where we're at right now. And I really like it here. I've gotten to know a lot of people around here and made some good friends. Yeah. So Wonderful. Yeah. So you're kind of settled in where you're at. Yeah, I think so. Definitely for now. And Harper, we're, we're pr- planning on her growing up around here. So yes, we've kind of awesome. made our roots here, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So what year did you get married? Uh, 2018. 2018. Okay. So then how old were you when you got married? 25. I actually had to think about that one because I like time is flying and I'm like, how old was I? So yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah. Especially after you have a child, yep. time seems to go much quicker. Okay. So let's kind of get into what happened after you guys were married and you thought about starting a family. So when did you start thinking about having a family? Um, we were pretty 
okay with jumping into it. We, we were together, not like, you know, we weren't high school sweethearts or anything, but we just knew what we wanted in life and we wanted to start a family. And I, I feel like any mother, I, I was like nervous that I was going to have problems getting pregnant. Like I was like, I want my own children if I can. Like we talked about, I just always had a feeling that I was going to have a problem getting pregnant. And I don't know why Obviously, that wasn't the issue. I found out I was pregnant. Let's see. So I was, I, we kind of like went back to like, okay, when, when did we um, conceive this baby? And, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we found we were pregnant like two months after we got married. So it was very quickly. Yeah. I was only two and two and a half weeks long, which was super weird because um, my husband actually just went away on a bachelor trip, which was not great timing yeah. to tell your husband that you are pregnant. <laughs> but I had, by the way, yeah, yeah. I had taken like a urine test and it was like very faint. And I actually like just like put it on the side and like walked away. I was like, okay, whatever. Because I was hearing Gwal's friends. They were like my two best friends. I was like, okay. So I went back in the bathroom like two hours later and it was like kind of a line. And I was like, my heart was racing. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, of course I'm home alone. Like, I don't even know what to do right now. So I took like four more tests and they were all like that. And I messaged one of his like really good friends growing up. And I'm like, I need to cut. She's a nurse at the local hospital. I'm like, I sent her all the tests and she's like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's super faint. She's like, you're pregnant. I was like, okay, well, I want a blood test. So kind of long story short, before that, um, when you're engaged, I had a false positive, which is super rare. Like usually doesn't happen. And I didn't really think anything of it. I will say not long after I had this like super weird, there's a lot of detail, but we were like in the kitchen and like, I started bleeding everywhere, like all over. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so like, I didn't even, I just kind of like stood there and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So like we ran into the bathroom. I'm like standing in the bathtub bleeding. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, and this was after I'd had that false positive. So I kind of thought maybe it was a miscarriage, but I never like had something that was more than the blood. Like it was just kind of like active giving. So then I just kind of blew that off and whatever. Like then we found out we got pregnant, ended up going to the hospital. So with, with all that happening, I I told his friend Molly, I was like, I, I want to get a blood test. Like I want to know, like last time we didn't ever do a blood test. It's that just happened and like nothing came of it. And so I went in and my HCG was like 11. Mm -hmm. So like, very 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 low and so she's like definitely like it's higher than like it could be a pregnancy but I want you to come back in a week so I went back in a week and it went it was raising but when I told my husband he I was debated telling him and I was like I have to like it's it was such a hard thing to keep like I didn't know what else else to do and so I ended up telling him while he was on his bachelor uh, it wasn't his but it was a friend and the girls I was going out with that night we were supposed to go to the bar so yeah I, I'm like what do I do they're gonna know it wasn't like there's was a big group of us and so I randomly in the car was like I'm pregnant I'm pretty sure and they just looked at me like and it was like in the middle of a conversation it was like super awkward <laughs> and they're like what I'm like you guys are gonna know I'm not gonna be drinking tonight like I <laughs> went to the hospital yeah. and like they're pretty sure but so that's kind of like how it all started I guess yeah and you had previously had the thought that I'm going to have a problem getting pregnant. So you never, you, you yeah. didn't see this necessarily coming. No. And to be honest with you, I have always thought this. So I got off of birth control like six, seven months before we got married. Okay. Like I was so certain. So, I mean, it did technically take us a little while. We weren't like super trying, like, I guess. So we actually had waited probably eight months before we got pregnant, but like we weren't actively trying. So it was, but so when it happened so quickly, I'm like, yeah. oh gosh, like that was weird. 
And I just knew it was too good to be true. I'm like, okay, that was like, I feel like it's so much harder to get pregnant than that. And I'm like, well, maybe not. I started having like very weird things. I don't know if we want to get into that yet, but if you had any other questions about like the beginning of it. Yeah. So, I mean, what were your initial thoughts on having this baby so soon? Not that, I mean, you definitely wanted her, but you just thought maybe it would come at a later time. So what were your initial thoughts on getting pregnant? I was like super excited. I, um, I didn't really know what to think. I was like kind of confused. I'm like, well, whatever. Like, um, but I was excited. And I also was kind of like, not super happy that I found out so early because that definitely makes the pregnancy a lot longer. Yeah, and, for like, sure. <laughs> yeah. And then when you like are waiting for your eight week appointment or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, I want it to be here because it's not like you feel the baby at that point. So you just like have no clue. Right. But, um, I was, I was really, um, excited though. And I think my chance was too. like, we were just like, Oh, this, this is like, you know, our life is changing and yeah, it was a, it was a good feeling. Yeah. It is such an incredible thing to share. Mm-hmm. So next you are pregnant and you get to your eight week appointment. How did that go? So about, let me think, I don't remember. I think about four to six weeks, I started having like very large swelling on my left leg and I like felt pregnant like I felt like I was showing and I went to work my coworkers thought I was nuts they're like Jesse you're six weeks along you're four weeks along like you there, there's no way and then like right before my eight-week appointment my ankle was like it looked like I rolled my ankle and and my whole leg just one ankle yeah it was like my whole leg and I wouldn't have noticed my leg but I wore oh. scrubs every day to work and so like my left pant leg was like, so like, it was a lot tighter than like the right one. And I'm like, that's weird. And like, none of the, I mean, I had uh, coworkers that had kids and they're just like, that's very strange. Like, so I didn't have pain at that point. It was just like, those two things were super weird. As that appointment approached, I went in, uh, we were in the waiting room and I was like nervous. Like I didn't, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know like what, but I, have never had anything like that. And so we went in, they did the ultrasound. There was a little baby on there. And I was like, thank God, like there's a baby, there was a heartbeat. They could, and you know, sometimes you don't see the heartbeat super well on that early ultrasound, but they found a heartbeat. Right. So I was like, okay, back into the waiting room. I'm like, all right. Then they call us back into the ultrasound room. And I'm like, oh no. And I just knew I'm like, something's wrong. But I'm like, they, and so me and my husband are like, okay, what could it be? Like there was a heartbeat. So I'm like, well, you wouldn't think they, you know, everything was going through our head. Like, is there something wrong with it? Like, we had no idea if you could even tell that that early. Like, we had no clue. So we go in there and there's like extra doctors in there. Oh, wow. They like don't like to tell you. And I'm just like, please tell me. Like, I want to know what's going on. So when they they were starting to walk out, she's like, the doctor's going to talk to you about it. I'm like, tell me what's wrong. Like, I want to know now. And she's like, you have a fibroid. They're usually completely normal, but yours is just a little bit bigger. And I was like, okay. So of course, you know, we whip out our phones and are Googling everything about it. And of course. And then we get moved over to the other room. And I like was like in tears because I, you know, everything you find on Google is terrible. So, okay. So what is, for those listening, what is a fibroid? Why would that be significant? So they don't really know. A lot of women have them. They literally told me probably 80% of women have them. The weird part about it is a lot of the time they're not in childbearing years. Um, like it's like a lot of elder women and a lot of the okay. time they don't affect pregnancies. Like they sometimes grow a little bit because in your first trimester, uh, it grows because of the hormones feed it almost is what they would tell me. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. But it's really like, I, it's kind of like a cyst, but 
it's like a kind of like overgrowth, overgrowth of tissue, typically not a problem. Sure. So when the doctor had came in, you know, she told us about it. She made us feel a lot better about it. You know, she said, I will tell you your first trimester, you're at higher risk of losing the baby because what happens is at that point, it was, uh, I think six centimeters, which oh, wow. was a little okay. bit bigger, yeah. but it wasn't huge at that point. So they weren't super worried about it. But big enough for them to call attention to it. Like, Hey, this might be yeah. a thing that you yeah. have to worry about. Okay. Yes, exactly. So they kind of gave me the lowdown of this is what to expect. And one was pain. Uh, when the fibroid degenerates, it sheds off. So I would bleed my whole pregnancy, which is super weird oh. because you're not supposed to do that, obviously. Right. So she's like, you're going to so bleed. that was another. Yeah. And it's also, it's almost like a positive sign because that means it's typically getting smaller when it bleeds because it's shedding off, it's dying off. But they said it's very, very painful. Oh. Like, okay. But they said when it tries to die, sometimes it can try to, it will take blood from the baby and then you lose your baby. So I'm like, okay, you know, so we were like, I didn't even know what to feel like. I was just like hopeless. And I'm like, okay, well, like I wanted to know like a percentage, like I am just like a big preparer. Like I want to know what's going to happen. And then obviously in these situations, you don't know. So uh, let's see. So after that, they called attention to my leg and they're like, they were worried about a blood clot. So I had to go get an ultrasound like immediately after they got me in um, at the radiology clinic up in Des Moines. Everything looked really good. No problems at all. But we, I had to get that scanned a few times. Later on, you'll realize like why it did that. So we left that like very honestly, like empty handed. Like I didn't even I'm like, okay, so it was just like, go on about your life. Here's a bunch of stuff to worry about. Have a great day. Yeah, like there's nothing we can do about it. So I'm like, okay. And I was going, I, I was like one of those preparers as, as in I Googled every, who, who I should go to for a pediatrician or not pediatrician, OBGYN. I feel like I had a very good, uh, it was a very well-known place. So they weren't super worried. So then let's see, I don't, it's, my timeline's really hard, Yeah. but I know that, let's see. So probably uh, maybe like not long after that, the bleeding started. And I was like terrified. Like, I, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm losing the baby. I have no idea. Right. Did they tell you how to know if you were miscarrying? Because not really eating. So how, how do you determine whether it's just the fibroid or the loss of the pregnancy? Honestly, I don't know. I think, I don't know if they thought maybe I would know that. I, it was, I, I don't remember them. Too. Because they both sound very similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it sounds like both of those processes are painful. So interesting that they would just kind of leave that up to you. Yeah. So I had pain and then I had more pain and then I had like, it was so bad. I, I probably went to the emergency room probably eight, seven or eight times during my pregnancy, like right at the beginning. Mm. I would go in because I'm like, I'm losing my baby. Like, and it's hard because if you aren't, I think it's 20 weeks, it's not that they don't care, but there's not a lot of hope. And so they don't, they, you kind of just wait in the ER, you, you know, like there's a point where you're like, Oh, send her up to the, the mother baby floor. Like you, when you get to 20 weeks, you kind of are a little bit more priority because yeah, there's a higher chance of saving the baby and blah, blah, blah. So when I got, let's see, so I dealt with pain, like, I don't even know how to explain it. I started getting back pain. And it was really weird. I thought I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And then it would like radiate every single night I would lay down. My stomach would harden 
every time. Like it was, oh, it was literally contractions, but I didn't know yeah. it. I know right. I knew it at the end, but every time I would lay down, I'm like, chance, watch this. And I had like videos of my stomach just contracting. And then we started, and then I kind of like learned more and then I would time them and they were never consistent. Yeah. So that would happen all the time. And then I would like call my OB and I'm like, something is wrong. Like something's wrong. And they're like, no, what's your fiber degenerating? I'm like, I'm in pain, a lot of pain. I remember one of the times I went to ER, I went to Methodist and they had given me a Toradol shot and Toradol is like a very high dose ibuprofen. Yeah. Um, and it, it did, it literally, my pain was gone for a whole, whole 24 hours. But once that wore off, it came back. I will tell you this pain that I endure endured was probably, I wouldn't, I don't, I for sure could never go through it again. It was like my stomach would hurt. So I got to the point where I was sleeping like 10 minutes the entire night. I was getting up, going to work. Like I couldn't sleep. So then like my mental state wasn't good. And then my back, my back kept hurting like worse and worse. And every night that every day that went on, it got worse and worse. So I eventually, let's see. So I went to the ERs. I'd called my, my uh, OB. They didn't, they literally did nothing. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't even see me. They're like, it's your, it's your fibroids. Okay. You know, and like, so I finally, I I'm very lucky. So uh, my aunt was going to get her master's. Um, she was in a class with one of the top perinatal doctors in Iowa. Oh. Her name is Dr. Greiner. Shout out to Dr. Greiner. She's amazing. So yeah. she, my aunt had told Dr. Greiner kind of like what was going on. And she's like, she needs to get up here. So, okay. Backstory that day that I got the Toradol shot. Um, nowadays you can yeah. look at your results online I had looked at them and I had noticed there was two results that were like out of range and I have a couple your results of being there well you were in the emergency yep. room so they had just done a blood panel. and then they yep. okay so they did some tests and then okay okay so then and you hadn't seen those results no, until I, they never called me with anything so I, I okay. just looked on like unity point or whatever it was and I called my sister as a nurse and then uh, my aunt's also a nurse the one that was getting her master's yeah. And she, I called them and I'm like, there's two levels that are weird. Uh, it was GFR and then creatinine. And I had no idea what those were. Sure. And they were both like, those are kidney levels. And those, they were both going the opposite way. Yeah. And so she had shared those results with Dr. Greiner and she's like, get her up here now. I was so fortunate. They were like, we're going to have a team ready for her. I was at work that day. I was in so much pain. I'm like, I... I was almost to the point where like, I just couldn't do it any longer. Like I didn't, I obviously did not want to get rid of my child. Like that was the absolute last thing I wanted to do, but I thought my body was going to shut down. Like I didn't know what else to do. Like my pain level was completely maxed. I had nothing helping me. And you're going to work every day doing what you yeah. know that you should do Trying, for normal. Yeah, like I try to get my mind off of it, but when you don't have sleep, it's so hard to even function. Right. So I like told my boss, I'm like, I have to go. Like, I've got to figure out what's going on with me. So I left work that day, went to Iowa City from Indianola. And I had, I think it was nine liters of urine backed up in my kidney. No way. So my, what had happened is, so that's why my ankle was swollen. <gasps> it's all on my left side. And that was like from the beginning. So my kidney, I, my, I almost lost my kidney because my body was getting ready to like go into sepsis because I had such a bad, like, my organs were like, just like so irritated because what had happened is the fibroid had pushed on my ureter. So if you like, look at a diagram, you have your two kidneys and then you have your ureters, which are like little tubes. And then you have your yep. bladder and the fibroid had completely cut off my 
ureter. So urine couldn't get from my kidney to my bladder because I was still going to the bathroom. I was still like urinating. So like, I never thought of that. And like, when they just touched my kidney on my back, it, I was like, it hurt so bad. And, yeah. And, like, so would, inflamed. Yeah. And you would think, duh, like, how would you not know it's your kidney? But I didn't even think of it. Like, and nobody ever saw me. So like if the, if the well, OB, you know, would have yeah. been like, Hey, come in, let's just like double check. So I was not happy. <laughs> I, so I had, so what they had to do, they had to put a, they called an aphrostomy tube. They put a tube through your kidney and you literally have a bag that you urine. Like eventually I had to get the other one done, but I had to like a urine, urine go into a bag and it like strapped around my leg. Yeah. So I had the left side done and every two weeks, I had to get it changed for like pregnancy reasons. Terrible. I couldn't, I didn't get pain meds because I didn't want to harm Harper. And it was seriously just like kidney pain is like the worst pain ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they had to stitch the tube to my back every time. Like I got stitches with, and they would do like localized numbing, but that eventually like the numbing was worse than the stitches. So I just had them stitch it and I was like, not even feeling it. I'm like, you're, it doesn't even matter. Like just stitch me. So every two weeks I would get it pulled out, put a new one in and I just lay there like on my stomach and just, and these, the nurses and doctors, they just, they felt, they were so good in Iowa city. They felt terrible. And they'd hold my hand through every single one of them. What I, they actually gave me oxygen. I wore a, a cannula, which did nothing, but I think it just mentally made, made me feel better. So I just took it every time. But, um, yeah, so that went down. I saw a urology team. I would see a kidney team. I would see the like OB team. I'd see high risk team. Like every single month I would get a uh, ultrasound of Harper. It was really funny. I actually had a trip planned to Arizona and I ended up going because I was like, oh, I'm fine. And this was like after a lot of stuff had happened. I should never have went. How far along are you at this point? I was probably six, 14 to 16 weeks, probably. Okay. I for sure was in labor. <laughs> I, I, or like, I was like contracting, I was like crawling around the floor. They were so bad contractions. And my sister were there. She's like, we need to take you to the hospital. Went to the hospital in Arizona. All I have to say is be thankful for our clean hospitals here in Iowa, because it was a lot different. And it was less, I don't know how I came out of it that I, I came out of it somehow. They sent me home with hydrocodone. I'm like, okay. So, so, so you were, you weren't in labor or you were? I think I was. Okay. It was weird. I was like the worst contractions I had had the whole time. Like I okay. was crawling around. My belly was like hurting so bad. Like it would harden that same yeah. thing. And I couldn't get it to stop. And they were very consistent. So when mm-hmm. I went in there, they didn't give me anything. It went away. I don't know how it eventually stopped. I don't know why. Makes you feel crazy. Yeah. I know. I'm like, cause my sister's like, she is like having contractions because she it was Kayla my older sister that's had two kids and she's like that is like literally the same thing and like yeah. they would feel my stomach like all of a sudden harden like quite a bit and then it would like soften and and it was super painful and then uh but yeah so we went there uh came, and came back I had to I was like wheelchair bound the whole time I don't even know why I went there but I wanted to try to enjoy Arizona if I could I already had had it paid for so when I came back from that I was checking in every month, every now and then I'd have like an emergency where I would go in and I'm like, I would start bleeding a lot or I'd have really bad pain and it kept getting bigger and bigger. Like it got up to, we know like documented, it was up to 16 centimeters. That was 
were the biggest it was. Holy cow. And I was so relieving that when I started to feel Harper move because I was like, she's fine. That is when I could kind of let yeah. go of the visits a little bit more because I'm like, I can feel her. She's fine. She's yeah. moving. But it was really hard before that. But yeah, so I, let's see. So probably once a month, I would go and get checked. They'd do an ultrasound. They'd check the fibroid. They'd check Harper. But yeah, that was kind of my routine. Wow. So you had all of this scheduled out, you know, when to go for your appointments and yep. And you knew that your fibroid was growing and there was really nothing. And they were, yeah, they were really good. Uh, the nice thing about Iowa City is they have every department there. Like if I ever got hospitalized, every department would come and see me and tell me like, this is what the plan is, blah, blah, blah. And it, like I said, eventually I had to get the other kidney tubed. I'm not really sh- I was getting pain on the other side and he's like, we need to just do it. So it was super weird because eventually I didn't urinate at all. Like I just went into these bags and it, it was like emotionally one of the worst things, probably the worst thing I've ever been through as far as just losing your, I don't know if you'd like call it confidence, like just in yourself, because you're like, I don't know why I ever complain about anything. Like this is terrible. And it was just the fact that like, this would happen a lot. The tube would come undone. I don't know. It is. And then there's literally, it's all over. And I don't even know it. It was so embarrassing. And what, and you know, so you're feeling humiliated and, yeah, yeah. and, it's, and like, it's something that I just like would laugh it off. What else do you do? You know, but it was, I remember telling my doctors, I'm like, I will not wear these the rest of my life. I don't think I can emotionally and mentally like get through this. I can't do this. And like one time, I got out of the car. So it's stitched to my back. Oh my I gosh. I got caught on my, um, like those little metal brackets that yes. your door hooked into. Yep. I had like walked out and it like, I seriously thought it ripped out of my back. It hurt so bad. And they were constantly just irritated. So like I had these two open holes in my back. They were constantly irritating. And then I had like the pain of the fibroid and then just the emotional aspect of everything. So it was like just so much. And I, you know, like the worst thing to do is stress out when you're pregnant. So I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So, you know, I tried not to do that. And well, right. But then that causes you more stress. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you're trying to take care of yourself physically and emotionally, but it's so hard because you know that you have life that you're responsible for. And that's so difficult. So during that time, how did you deal with things emotionally? Like, how did you get through that? Uh, my husband, for sure. I had probably two friends that knew everything, but there was there isn't enough time of the day and enough memory of it. Like, you, I forget about all the little stuff that happened. I had friends that, like, I would call every day. And it, it was terrible because one of my really good friends, she was pregnant at the time. And she felt terrible. Like, she's like, I hate that you have to go through this. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's not your fault, you know? And she, and I would ask her how her hers was. And she's like, I don't even want to tell you, but she's like, it's been amazing. Like I haven't gotten sick and I was sick all the time. I puked and puked and puked and puked. And so I didn't want her to think I was, yeah. you know, taking away from, I'm like, I'm so happy for you. I would never wish this upon my worst enemy, but it was terrible. Yeah. But I also like had to sit there and be thankful that I still have a baby. Like she was still in there. Right. You know, so I That's always the weird had to thing get about through being, that. Yeah. I think that's the weird thing about being pregnant. Sometimes you, you, you're glad that you're, you know, vomiting because that means like your hormone level is high. Like, you know, you, yeah. you have those, yep. you know, I just, 
it's, it's such a complicated thing to go through anyway, but holy cow, you had so much to go through. So Mm-hmm. You have this fibroid, you are going through these weekly appointments and you're in pain and you're vomiting and you're just having the worst time of your life so far. Can you talk to us just a little bit about closer to the time that Harper was born? Yep. We found out she was a girl, which is at least that was like such a great moment. You know, like you have to, yes. I'm so happy we didn't find out at our eight week appointment because my sister sat me down like, you know what, there are, and not against anybody that finds out early, but she's like, there are just stages that you look forward to. And I'm so glad we didn't find out early because five weeks after that, we had no clue we were going to have her. So it was just, I remember I have probably two pregnancy pictures of me the whole time I was pregnant. And so, and I, um, Mm -hmm. I showed quite a bit at the end, but I wore scrubs every day and they were always really big on me. I lost like 35 pounds. So I was all belly. It was, super weird because like I had bigger scrubs and when I lost all that weight it was like I just filled them in but I you could nobody ever knew I was pregnant so yeah let's see let me think so I'm okay so I went in for my 24 week appointment yes that's not even a normal appointment but I just had like a <laughs> appointment at that point I think I don't know yeah. if people have them yeah then, but scheduling so I yeah I went in and I was feeling really good uh also my doctor I was in a lot of pain and I told my doctor I'm like I, you have to do something for my pain. Like they had tried every medication and really they had to get my pain under control. It's like we had tried hydrocodone. We had tried morphine. We tried Dilaudid, all these like very big pain medications that we knew wouldn't affect Harper. Like it was always a benefit outweighed because I was always nervous. Like, I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt her. We've gotten this far. Of course. Um, Of course. But she's like, I will let you take ibuprofen until 30 weeks. Okay. So I had gotten on that. I was feeling so good. First time I had one of my ultrasounds and I was feeling really good. We went in. It was the only appointment that I wasn't going to see my normal doctor. And luckily it was, a, I have known, I got to know a lot of the doctors in the department because I dealt with a lot of them and I went up there and stayed. And it was one that I had had and she came in and well, it was somebody different came and did the ultrasound and I could tell like something wasn't right. And I went in and like, you're going to know right when I say this, I went in and I go, I bled my whole time. And I said, yeah, it's just a little bit more watery than normal. Mm, I'm like, yeah. okay. I, yeah. And I had no clue, you know, and I thought your water broke. I thought your water exploded. Like it does on your, on the TV shows, you know, like that right. doesn't always happen. I found out you can have a leak. And so um, I could tell when she did the ultrasound, something was not good. And she's like, okay, I will tell you the ultrasounds were terrible. They tried to do sometimes internal ones. I knew from the beginning that I was going to have a C-section. I didn't know, we didn't know which, they talked about a bikini cut, which normally you, people get. And they talked about a classical cut, which is like a vertical cut. They also talked about doing a bikini cut and then doing a vertical uterus cut, which is kind of weird. So like internally it would be vertical, but externally it would look like, oh, sure. I didn't even know you could do that. Okay. Anyways, I was at the appointment. She had said, you know, your, your water's leaking. There's three centimeters around her. And I was like, okay. She's like, you're supposed to have like 15 at this point. Oh no. So um, they actually don't put people on bed rest. So when I had all this happen, they were like, you know, we don't do that anymore. People ended up getting more blood clots. Like we just don't do bed rest and that's absolutely necessary. So they, they put me on bed rest. They sent me straight over to the hospital. They actually did. Um, I wish I knew the names of them, but they did three tests. Two of them they'd never done, or one of them they had never done before. I was the first person to ever have it done. It was pretty much, they had to test the blood. I know one of them, they had to test the blood of the, if it was Harper or me, 
I don't think that's one they do very often. There's another one that they had never done and they literally had to like look it up. Like they didn't know how to do it, but they knew they wanted to do it. So it was kind of like scary. Yeah. So when they would check to see if I was dilated, they could never get to my cervix because the fibroid was in the way. And it was so painful, like them trying to do that. There was like blood everywhere. And I was like so uncomfortable. Yeah. They'd have different people come in. They're like, try to get it. And I, I'm like, okay, I can't, like, I can't keep doing this. Like it hurts really bad. And so every now and then they try to do it. And they eventually like, you are going to have to tell us. I'm like, I have no idea. The pain that I'm in right now is not even that bad. I felt really good. I, I kind of started- Were they wanting you to tell them- When, when I thought like it was your- time. Oh my gosh. To have her. They're like, I, we have no other way of knowing. Like we have- I mean, but your water's leaking. There's nothing at this point. Yeah. So they were going to monitor, monitor like what they could. And then if I ever felt any different then I was supposed to let them know, let me think. So we were, the doctor came in, sat me down and, and they're like, we're going to get you, we're going to try to get you to 34 weeks. I'm like, okay. Like I'm a very strong-willed person. I'm like, okay, deal. Like I can do that. I've been through, you know, 24 weeks of this. I can get, I can get through that. So then they kind of came in and talked about the, these uh, steroid shots for Harper's lungs. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to make it to 34 weeks. And they were like, Jesse, you need to do it. You have no idea. This is out of your control. And I was like, finally, my husband's like, you know, like, we don't know because there are, there are downfalls of everything that you do. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't want to mature her lungs if she's not going to come out within like a week because that defeats the purpose. I think it's like three weeks, but so I'm like, whatever, got the steroid shot. I was 24 weeks and one day or no, it's 24 and like four. So they got, I got the steroid shot. They had to put me on magnesium a couple times, which is terrible. It's not fun. You feel so sick. And I don't think they ever had to put me on like Pitocin at all because I, that's where it like makes you go into labor, right? Right. Yeah. Pitocin is. Yeah. So they were trying to like prevent me a lot of the time. And I think magnesium is what prevents you okay. or tries to. So uh, they put me on that a few times and you feel like really sick when you're on it. But I got five days and I think it was like four or five days, 25 weeks in one day. I met his grandma was there with me and I was like, today's the day. Like, I just, I don't even, nothing was different. I had something tell me she needs to come today. And I just like, it wasn't even like me. Like I looked over at Chance and I'm like, she has to come today. And he's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. So they brought me back. I told him, I'm like, I just think it's time they cut me open and I had an infection in my uterus and oh my gosh if she would have been in much longer it probably could have affected her but they got her out in time um they did a classical c-section chance was able to be in there with me so it was an emergency but it wasn't like they just had to get me in there like it wasn't like rush her in there they got her out they told me like you know when we take her out she may not she may not cry that's normal and so they took her out and I was freaking out I'm like she is she okay and I put her over on the table and um, I heard like this tiniest like little squeak and I'm like oh I, I like, could hear her. and then um, they quickly came over and they had like a video camera but they came over and like showed her to me and then they just took her and so then they were trying to like evaluate the fibroid at that point and then I ended up starting to like feel it and so they knocked me out pretty much feel the fibroid no feel the like them stitching me they were the incision to, yeah oh, okay. I, I wasn't like I was just like, okay, this, we need to like numb me more or something. So they just kind of like loaded me full of pain meds. I don't do well with pain meds. So I woke up, I was puking and I had this ginormous incision that was like super painful, but I kept on my pain meds, whatever. Yeah. 
So all I want to do is see Harper. And you quickly realize that when you have a NICU stay, you don't run the show. You have to do what's best for your baby. Harper went up to the NICU. I don't remember a lot of like that week. I was like kind of out of it. Absolutely. I can imagine. Yeah. And we went up to your... So they have like bays in the NICU. They have NICU Bay 1, they have NICU Bay 2, and I think they have a 3 and 4, and then you go to like the children's hospital. Bay 1 is for the very, very sick babies um, or and very early babies. Harper is in Bay 1 for quite a while. They have this thing what's called the honeymoon phase where your baby is really good right after it's born, and then it doesn't do well. And that's kind of like, is my baby going to make it? Because you get this hope, and then it kind of goes downhill after that. So we had the honeymoon phase. Harper did really good. And then we, let's see, it was three weeks. I didn't get a hold of her for three weeks. And it, to hold her it was like tubes and tubes. Like you didn't, you didn't just get to go in and hold your baby. Like you had to ask. So they also, Harper would have what was called spells. And when they're little like that, they're not supposed to breathe or they don't, they don't know to breathe. They forget. And so they just stop breathing and you are sitting there in the room and you just watch their numbers just like start to go down. And Oh my gosh. And it's like, you have to let the nurses do what they're supposed to do. They do this every day. And that's really hard. Um, Typically what they would do is just kind of like nudge her, be like, Harper, come on. And then if she didn't do anything, they would have to take like a a mask and bag her to like get her breathing again. And that is terrible to watch. It's really, it's really hard because you're her mother and you're like, I can't do anything. I'm just sitting here in the chair and she's like not even breathing. Yeah. But you kind of get used to that. Every morning, I, I wouldn't stay the night there. We stay at the Ronald McDonald house and every morning I would call and Harper was terrible. There, she had this one nurse, like she would have spells all night long, like 13 spells, which that, how many times she would stop breathing. I'm like, Harper, come on. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> and she like, she would, cause they would like opt to have babies. The nurses would, mm-hmm. one would always keep taking Harper. And I, I'm like, I don't know why you keep taking her. Cause she keeps, she was like so bad for her all the time, <laughs> but we became really, really close with her. She was a, she was very, really good to us and a younger nurse. So then, okay. We got through Bay one, we got graduated to Bay two. They were so good there. They always put like posters on her room and made you feel as good as you could. I mean, you're in a hospital. It's not fun. Yeah. So we went to Bay 2. Harper is about two months old. April 30th, she got really, really sick. We knew she got, she was getting sick. Harper's baby shower was coming up and, you know, she was okay. And I remember asking the doctors, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like if we are going to like lose her, I don't want to. And at that point we had already had so many things that were personalized to Harper, which is super hard. Yeah. Um, that night she got, she got pneumonia in her breathing tube. And that the worst part about that is it got into her lungs. So there are pneumonia in her lungs and it didn't, cause I'm like, just take her breathing tube out and put a new one in. Well, it was already in her lungs. So there was no way to like get it out of her lungs. She was so sick. She was, didn't even look like herself. They had to put her like in a, a medically induced coma, but she um, she got really sick and she was like really puffy, um, just didn't really look like herself at all. But we got through it. We went in that day. They called us, so the night of her baby shower, of course, they called us and I, I had missed the phone call. So I had like really bad anxiety with phones for a really long time. But um. We went in that night and they just sat us down and they're like, Harper's probably not going to make it. And we had brought my whole family in and you're not supposed to have any um, visitors at all. 
and they let my whole family go back and my mom like refused to go back there and and they just told us to sit with her for all night and just be with her while she passes so they had tried every sort of ventilator that they could and they're like she's not responding the only thing she was responding to is me bagging her and he's like I can't bag her for the rest of her life and Dr. Daigle, um, he goes, you know, she's kind of responding to like a lighter vent, lighter pressure. And he's like, I don't really ever see this. So he put her on what's called a servo. It's like a lighter pressured support. And like, I don't know how she came out of it. She was not supposed to make it. She started like slowly, her numbers were getting going up. And I'm like, well, there's at least a change. Like, that's good at least. So after that, we knew Harper was like, you know, she's getting better, like, okay. And, you know, she's, she's not like, they never were like, she's not okay. Like she is very, very sick. After that, they kind of kept her on like close monitor. We figured she would be slower because what happens is first off, she was on very, very high pressures of the ventilator. When that happens, we knew we figured her eyes were going to be really bad. So when they when they put these high pressure ventilators with these sick kids, it ruins their eyes almost because they when you have a lot of oxygen, it ends up maturing their eyes before they should be matured. The pressure of the ventilator actually puts pressure on the back of their eyes. Okay. Like she's gonna have terrible eyesight, whatever. And that was where my husband and I we had to lean on each other. Like when I was bad he was good and when he was bad I was good and like we just had to like lean on each other and we really relied on like family and, and everybody around us yeah. and so um she got better uh she like did not look like herself for a really long time she had these uh goggles on her eyes and she had these or these yellow ear covers that there was no stimulation I couldn't read to her we couldn't talk in her room they wanted her to have no sort of stimulation, which is complete opposite of what typically we did. Like I read to her every day. I spent a lot of time in there. Like it was really weird. Why were they, why were they requiring that? Because when she was so sick, they say that they didn't want her to stress out. They didn't want this noise stimulation. Sometimes, I don't know okay. if like sometimes they wouldn't know what okay. things would bother her. So they had put her, like, it was like morphine, um, out of them, these like very high power drugs that like completely had not dropped. So eventually they're like, okay, we're going to have to take her off these um, babies, get withdraws. And I was like terrified. I'm like, I do not, like, I didn't do this to my baby. I did not take drugs when I was pregnant. Like, I did not do this. And I have to watch my baby come off of drugs. Like, it was, she did really well with it, though. She, um, I didn't ever, like, notice a time where she was, like, wanting it. You know, we learned about it a little bit in school when I, for, when I became a hygienist and I've seen videos of babies that like want those things. And she, I am really glad I didn't have to go through that because she didn't do any of that. Good. So she came out of that. She had her normal. So every three weeks she had an eye check to check her eyes, see how they were doing. And they were all like, not bad. So for a 25 week baby, no sickness involved. Very rare. You like not have eye problems just because they're very early. It's very hard to like have them come out with no eyesight issues. That was like a big thing they talk about. It's called ROP, retinopathy of prematurity. It's just a very big thing that you deal with when you have a baby in the NICU. And she, when she got sick, she went back to bay one. Then we got graduated to bay two. Things were finally like looking better. And then we knew when we got, when you get to the children's hospital, you're like, you're good. You're like two weeks from going home. That's typically the time range. And 
Um, we got to the children's hospital. It was so nice there and we really enjoyed it. That is the time where you can just pick up your baby and like you can really like have your baby. I had a lot of like, I didn't feel like Harper was my baby for even when I came home. I'm like, I don't, I felt like I didn't know her. I didn't get to like connect with her. I never, yeah. it just was weird. And then like, of course she favors her father over me. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, okay, well that I did all this work for you someday. But, <laughs> but no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I will say when we left the hospital, Harper has perfect eye vision. I don't know how. Oh, wow. So I, they were a week away from getting her eye vision checked. Like we left the hospital and like, I think it was like a couple days later, I was going to have to go back up to Iowa City. I was like, is there any way that you can check it early? They're like, sure. So they came in and they're like, she, so they say she's matured. So that means we didn't have to do another eye checkup for a whole year, which is like literally unheard of. And especially the fact that she was as sick as she was. So they were just amazed at that. So at home on oxygen, everything, you know, we still knock on wood. Harper hasn't even gotten sick since we've came home. I don't know how Yeah. we, you know, I mean, I will say like, we protect her, but like, I'm a normal parent. I have to go to the store. Like we try not to take her, but we are very fortunate first off that Harper is even here yeah. in the fact that, you know, she, we, her lungs, like our last checkup, her lung, she has very sick lungs still. Like she, they compared her lungs like COPD lungs. Okay. Her problem is weight gain. So like her development, they just like, when we go to, I, we have switched our care to Des Moines now, but like we go to Iowa City, they were just amazed by her. Like, you know, her development is just, she's just smart as a whip. She is crazy. Well, yeah. And she's so, everything that you post, she's so lively and spirited and mm-hmm. has, you can see her personality. Like it's really, really, mm-hmm. really, you know, prevalent. And mm-hmm. yeah, she like does not hide it. She's a, very she's got definitely got an attitude already <laughs> and it's weird because she's tiny um our our quote what was it although she be but little she is fierce that was like her quote the whole time we have a lot of like things that were like that and she's still stuck with the little part of her she's so tiny like she literally still wears zero to three month pants and half the time they're still big on her but her right. but her like length is like she could fit into 12 month stuff <laughs> so it's nothing ever fits right. <laughs> right. It's welcome to being a woman. Nothing ever fits right. Yeah. Ever. It's yep. how it is. So can you just kind of speak to being a NICU mom and like some of your emotional kind of coping that you had to go through? Like, how did you, how did you get through it? I know that you have chances of wonderful husband and you really leaned on each other, but what went on in your brain that other NICU moms could maybe empathize with? you know, my biggest thing is like when people want to help you, you need, you have to accept it. It's, it was really, we are the type of people like we have always done things on our own and we've always not, we've never had to rely on people. My parents raised me to just be very independent. And, and so it was really hard. You know, people wanted to do benefits for us and I'm like, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And then it was like, we're not okay. First off, I took six months off of work and I'm like, yeah, if we didn't have that benefit, I wouldn't have been able yeah. to do that without worrying about it. Harper is on Medicaid because she's considered yeah. disabled at this point. Harper is a $2 million baby that yeah. for sure would have maxed our insurance out. So like, there are things that like I have learned, take the help when you are offered it, you know, Harper gets her formula paid for. And it's hard for me. I've never expected a handout. Like I, but I also am like, 
she just switched to a formula that's going to cost us like $1,400 a month. I'm like, we need that help. And we, um, we need to just accept that because it's not always going to be there. And I think that is one hard thing of being in the NICU is you want to be strong for yourself. You want to be strong for your child. You want to be strong for people around you, but it's okay to not be like, there's times where you're not, you know? Well, and yeah, because who, I mean, you gotta have that support. And I know that because I know your family, I know that the blacks are very self-sufficient and like Mm -hmm. we're independent and we do it and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really admirable and wonderful Mm -hmm. because you get stuff done. But when you're faced with something that is just kind of crippling like this as an individual and especially Mm -hmm. as a mother, I'm so thankful that you had that support from, from your family and from your community because it is world shattering. Well, and, and it's just, uh, when Harper got so sick, I will be honest with you. Like I'd given up. I, the doctors told us she wasn't going to make it. And my husband, like my biggest, one of the biggest things I took away from this is never give up. You have no clue. You know, there's crazier things that happen every day and you have no clue. And God is with Harper. I've never, I, you know, I've never been, I've always believed in him, but I've never, we have promised ourselves. We will, we, we have him to thank through this. Like Harper would not be here. Harper is so smart, you know, and we did work with her. We went to her every day we could, but like those things don't just happen. Harper is a miracle. And there's a reason why all this happened. And mm-hmm. I have changed so much as a person. A lot of it is I don't judge people. Like I, I've always tried not to, but you have no idea what people are going through. You have no clue yeah. just because like mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, you are, have been so strong. And I, yeah, but there has been a lot of times where I have like relied on people to just like, let me let it all out. And you, it's okay to not be like that. You don't, you can't, you can't always be strong. You know, I had to get on medication and that was really hard for me to do. I've never had to do that. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not okay. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not okay, but I'm not. And so, well, and it's okay. mm -hmm. It's okay that you're not because that's a really, really crazy card to be handed. Mm -hmm. And it hits you differently. People at a different time. I was really good in the NICU. I did really well with Harper other than when she got sick, but like you would never think I had a baby in the NICU at the time. And it hit me when I came home and it was just really hard for me. I didn't, I had to pump a lot. Like I breastfed Harper a little bit. She's really great with it, but we had some troubles in the NICU with them not thinking she was going to be fed enough. And so, you know, that was hard for me. That's a big way a mother connects with their baby is breastfeeding. And, and I was looking forward to that and I didn't get that. And so yeah. uh, the, the whole thing had hit me at a later time. And I, that is when I'm like, okay. And it, it's weird because you don't know when it's going to hit you, but it will. And to have people around you that support you. So be there for your friends. If they ever have to go through this, it's really hard. It's everybody deals with it differently. I really relied on my family and my friends to be there when I needed them and just somebody to talk to about things, even if they don't understand. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not very common to have a baby at 25 weeks. I mean, although it does happen and I know of other people who have had, have, who have had, um, early labors, but man, it's, it is one crazy and emotional roller coaster Mm -hmm. that I, I can't even imagine, but Jesse, I'm so, I'm so thankful that Harper is just so stinking Mm -hmm. much of a spitfire. And 
I'm so glad that you are on the other side of it. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's a support person for a mother mm -hmm. of a child in the NICU? Probably get them out of the NICU every now and then. I feel like it's hard. You get stuck in that place. You get stuck in those walls and you have to get out. Even if somebody's dragging you out of there, like I had the nurses tell me a lot, like don't sit in here all day. And sometimes you just feel alone and, and to have somebody just like, let's go get lunch. Let's go just like get your mind off this for a little bit. It was really nice. And also just, you know, when you get out of the NICU, respect your distance, like respect that yeah. you can't just hand your baby out. I will say that is one thing that I am so proud of everybody around us and nobody has ever came up to me and said like, like made me feel bad about not right. holding my baby. You know, like I really thought it was gonna be a lot harder than it was, but like, I was nervous about sharing my story, not on here, but uh, just in general, I had started that page for, there was 20 people yes. on that page. Yeah. I don't know if you said, you yep. know, the, uh, it's, we, I had it as my pregnancy page because I had so yep. many issues when I was pregnant. Well, um, I think it, it was a part of that page. Into, <laughs> yeah. It quickly turned into um, adventures of Harper. Like it was, then I yep. had a baby in the NICU. And so that has literally, other than chance, has been my saving grace. The people that comment on there and are just like so happy to like, hear about Harper and just like know how far she's yeah. come. And, I, you know, the support that we've had is like, what got me through all of this. And um, mm -hmm. I, I'm just so thankful that we have such good communities around us to help us out through things that we never, we did not know we had this many people that really cared this much about us. And it was just amazing to see everybody come together for us. Well, and I'll say that I know your older sisters just because I was in high school with them. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I had heard that this was a thing that you had to go through, it kind of triggered me and thinking like, oh my gosh, is there something that I can do for the black family? Like, I mean, your heart just immediately turns yeah. on. Like, even, even though I didn't know you very well, mm -hmm. I knew your sisters and. Well, just like people reaching out and messaging me. I had so many people, I had no idea who they were. And they're just like, yeah. I'm thinking about you. And you know, everybody's mm -hmm. like, if I can do something. And I'm like, just people saying stuff, you know, there were people that donated to us and we were so thankful for that. But the words meant just as much as the amount of money and like people think, Oh, I sh I'm sure people talk to her all the time, but there were days where like somebody had randomly just messaged me out of the blue and said, you know, I'm thinking about you. And it was like, you know, don't even know how much that meant to me. Like at that time, like I needed that, you know, and, and you don't think about that when, yeah. when it happens, those are the things that you realize how many people really are there for you. Yeah. And it's kind of sad, but you know, these I've changed a lot for the better. And I, I hate that it took, you know, something like this, to kind of turn my mind around on a lot of things, but you know, everything I've always believed everything happens for a reason. We were meant to have Harper. We were meant to be her parents. And I think we're doing a pretty good job. I always say that she's still alive after we brought her out of the NICU. So. <laughs> well, you're doing an excellent job. I know that you are. And what an incredible experience for you to have had to go through. I mean, Jesse, it's just mm -hmm. an incredible story. Is there anything else that you want to share? I wish, I wish that we could go on and on and on. I know. Yeah, I know. I was like, uh, we're 40 minutes in and I probably should start getting on Harper's end. There's a, <laughs> you know, I, I will say if there's any moms in the NICU that, or even if you know of somebody and they just want somebody to talk to, like, I will be there to talk to them. I know what it's like. It's hard and you know, I've had people reach out to me and I'm so thankful they did. I have groups that I'm in. Harper's G-Tube, I have had so many questions that I avoided having to go to the doctor for just because there's people that support you through all those things. And, um, you know, my Facebook page, I 
a lot of time just go back and read it. So, you know, I recommend if people go through this, like, don't be afraid to like share your story. Don't be afraid to make a page, even if it's not for the public. I am not somebody that would ever post something like that in the public, but I'm so happy I did. Like I go back and read stuff all the time because you forget about what you go through, unfortunately. I mean, not the details of, you forget the details of stuff and yeah, just reach out. And if I can be a help to anybody, I would love to do that. And that's why I share my story. I get emotional sometimes when I talk about it, but I feel like it's real. And I absolutely, yeah, so as you should, for sure. Well, and I think it helps to have like empathize with mm-hmm. other women who have gone through it as well and kind of hear, I think hearing those stories is really kind of almost medicinal. Like it's like soothing to your soul mm-hmm. to know that you're not alone, but, and that your struggles are real. Yeah. Well, and I, I will say, I didn't even say Harper was born at one pound, seven ounces, and she is now over 14 pounds. Uh, she's 16 months, almost 17 months old. She's tiny, but we have come so far. I would say she's 14 times her weight, but that's not, <laughs> that's not really that much. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's it true. sounds a lot better when I say it. So. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, she's come really we far don't... and we're proud of her. Yeah. I, I, I do. A, I do a lot of like proud mom moments and she just looks at me like, absolutely. I, I used to just cry. Like I would just cry and she'd look at me and I just like hold her and I just cry. I'm like, I'm just so lucky. I'm so lucky that she's here. And I would just, I've gotten a lot better, but I remember like I'd get up in the night and I'd just hold her and she'd just look at me like, why are you bawling? Like I would be like hyperventilating crying and she'd just look at me like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> but you know, I, but when you, but better. when you have something that is like, not, I mean, you don't know. I mean, yeah. Jesse, you had a night, mm-hmm. you had a night where you didn't know if she was going yeah. to stay. Mm-hmm. I think you have a really, really unique perspective on motherhood and being a parent. And although I don't wish that, mm-hmm for you that you had to experience that. I think Jesse, you have an Mm -hmm. incredible bond. You're just advantaged that way. I think to know that you, you do, you, you know how short life can be. And so Jesse, oh my goodness, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your story. This has been just a wonderful experience. So for us listening, and I'm glad that Harper is on the other side and that you are too. Yeah. Yep. Guys, Jesse Schultz, I will put her contact information in the description so that if you are an NICU mom and you are feeling alone and not knowing what to do, mm-hmm. that you will be able to contact her and she would be able to uh, support you as much as she can. So Jesse, thank you again for being on the B podcast. Thank you. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time on the B. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the B podcast. If you've been blessed in some way, please consider paying it forward and blessing other families by visiting the episode's show description below to support other families in the NICU. All donations to the Schultz Venmo account go to the NICU in Iowa City in Harper's honor. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Your support makes it possible for these incredible stories to be told and to be heard. If you like what we stand for, show us some love with rating and reviewing our pod. The more rates and reviews that we have, the better chance these stories are heard around the world and can help other women heal. Thanks for listening. I am Cammie Milliken, and this has been The Bee Podcast.